This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show and another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal series. Joining you the day after the transfer window has closed. Uh, A day in which obviously lots of irrational thinking can take place. Uh, Lots of anger, lots of emotion, uh, lots of hilarity for rival fans uh, annoyingly targeting us. But what I thought I would do is try to assemble uh, three of the most rational thinking Arsenal fans that I could think of. Um, so I'm hoping that you're going to enjoy the next 50 minutes or so uh, as we try and break down what was a interesting last month for the Gunners. First of all, I'm joined by Andrew from Arsblog. How are you doing, mate? You good? Hey, Tom. How are you? Very good. Thanks, man. Yourself? I'm okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we've got plenty to chat about in the next little while, for sure. Mm, we have. We have indeed. I'm also joined by former Arsenal striker and Highbury squad guarantor, Casey. How are you doing, mate? You good? I'm good, thanks, Tom. Hi, Andrew. How are you doing? Hey, Kev. How are you? I'm looking forward to this. Lovely stuff. And making up our quartet this evening, we've got the dulcet tones of Clive from the Arsenal Vision podcast. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Hello. <laughs> That's the doing? most complimentary I'll be about you. That's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. How you doing, guys? I'm looking Clive, forward to Clive. this. <laughs> I mean, Clive, last time we spoke, we sat down for an entire hour and talked through, it must have been... 12 or 15, 12 to 15 different transfer targets. So it's quite apt that we didn't sign any of them. Um, and I'm going to start with you to give me your reaction to the January window, mate. Well, it's a good job that, you know me, I don't get excited about new signings or links. I don't really go onto YouTube and White Scout and review them all or anything like that. And then I find a way to get them into our team. I never do that, right? So, um, but yeah, seriously, I mean, I woke up yesterday and I will just. I'll just put it into context where I am. And, and, and I can't help but be myself, right? So I woke up yesterday and I thought, okay, I really want a new signing. But what I want more than anything is for us not to do anything stupid. I think that was really, really key. And I think of worst case scenarios, right? So although I want a new forward and I wouldn't mind a centre midfielder, and you know what, I could do the wing back and... You know, we need to change our goalkeeper at some time. And maybe we need a winger as well. Do you know what I mean? I need a, all these things go through my mind. But what I don't want is an idiot to come in. And then when Bakaya Saka goes for his new contract, 
He says, I don't really like the people you're bringing in. I fancy replacing Mo Salah at Liverpool. That's the time to get mad, right? That is the moment when you get upset. You don't get upset for clearing the wage bill, reducing the squad for the people that none of us have got in our starting 11s, right? So you don't get upset for that. You get upset when you put the whole rebuild at risk by doing something dumb. And so that's how I walked into the day, right? So while hoping for something shiny, I didn't expect it. And I suppose if you if you don't expect to be disappointed, you can't be, uh, which is a nice way to approach it, I suppose. <laughs> but uh, Kev, I'm interested to, to know your thoughts. I know that you're very positive, mate, about things and you keep a very optimistic head. So were you going into the window equally optimistic as Clive and did you end the day disappointed or expectant of what happened? No, I was, I was disappointed, if I'm honest with you. Um, solely because, you know, when you see all the players that are leaving the club, and I know most of them aren't starters, so I don't think... I don't think Arsenal fans are that worried about the players who are leaving. When you see Aubameyang leave, that should mean that a forward's coming in, really. With, you know, we, we were negotiating with Vlaovic for, what was it, three weeks, probably. And, you know, Isaac got mentioned. and It's just somebody fresh at the top end of the pitch. Because, let's be honest, we haven't really played with a functional number nine for virtually two years. Aubameyang's been there, he's blown hot, he's blown cold. Lacazette's done a great job, I think, linking the play. But he doesn't have the speed and he doesn't have the size to really cause a problem up there. So I was really hoping we'll get a striker in and and a centre midfielder, which were the holes in our first 11, which then means that our bench gets a bit, little bit stronger. And it didn't happen. I've got, I've got obviously, thoughts on why it didn't happen. Tom, but I was a little disappointed. But you know what? Like I said yesterday on the Highbury Squad, I'm not going to lose my mind over it. No chance. Disappointed that we didn't get them in, but I'm not going to lose any sleep or my mind over it. It is what it is. We move forward because we've still got a capable team, but it is more Russian roulette now because Mm. if we suffer injuries, we are a bit thin on the ground. Andrew, you've heard there from two very, you know, calm, relaxed uh, opinions. Mm. Are you in the same camp or are you, <laughs> or are you more on the frustrated end of the spectrum? I think everyone is frustrated. I think you can be calm, but also frustrated. Um, mm. I, I agree with this, with the contention that we don't want to do anything stupid. And, you know, I wrote about this today on the blog that we have a problem at Arsenal with players who leave too many of them go for free or we have to pay them to go away because we do bad transfers and we do bad contracts and we don't look after, you know, our squad the way that we should. So the last thing I wanted Arsenal to do was go out and buy a player who we're stuck with for four years or five years and we can't get rid of who doesn't give us what we need on the pitch with any consistency. So that Arsenal you know, have chosen not to sign anyone because, you know, they can't get the player that they want, whatever it is. I, I, I think we have to acknowledge that they might be learning a lesson there in some ways, you know, not hobbling themselves with a the player. Um, at the same time, though, it's hard not to feel like this is an opportunity that we've missed because of where we are in the table, because of, you know, the issues that we do have at center forward. Kev's talked about negotiating with Vlavic and we tried for Isaac. You know, th- that's tacit acknowledgement that we have a problem there, that we need somebody in the squad. And, and 
the frustration comes from maybe this opportunity you know we're, we're all looking at it now with a maybe worst case scenario outlook that that it might pass us by that we can't get into the top four that we might miss out on top four by a couple of goals that a forward might have given us and i do wonder maybe if you know even if you can't get the striker that you want the main guy the the guy that you're going to spend all the money on if there wasn't someone out there who could have given us something in the squad between now and may and i'm not talking about making a huge investment i know the loan market is difficult but for me it's a frustration that maybe that kind of a signing even if it wasn't what we were all looking for could still be beneficial uh, over the course of what remains of this season to sort of augment these young players who now have a heavy burden uh, you know for the next 17 games this segues quite nicely to you, Clive, because then we can start talking names. Um, you talked about there that you were glad that Arsenal didn't do anything crazy. Um, but I think Andrew raises the good point that there were players out there that moved this window, not necessarily for a lot of money, that could have maybe offered Arsenal something. Do you think that we have missed a trick? And if, if so, do you think there is anyone that, you, in your opinion, either moved or we could have tempted to move that could have made a difference for a savvy figure? Yeah, so we're getting back into those situations, though. I mean, Andrew will know this. There's a great line by Ken Early talking about Arsenal, and he mentioned the word status anxiety. Remember that one, Andrew? And and I thought to myself, sometimes we suffered that in the past. We said, we've got to do something. Let's get Willian in. And we're fortunate. We're fortunate we got out of that one. We're fortunate we got out of a very young one. That's 50 million quid in wages there. Right? Let's not mess about. We got lucky. We got really lucky. And I looked around, Tom, and I know I see Val Veghorst go to Burnley. I think I saw him a couple of years ago pressing forward, six foot five back post. Oh, I fancy him when we're playing Burnley at home. We don't score. I fancy him. But as I said yesterday, puppies are not just for Christmas, right? They've got to fit your overall plan. They've got to fit your plan, right? I looked at Arthur Cabral. And I thought, oh, he looks interesting, right? Pops off well, to Fiorentina. Yeah, he pops <laughs> off to Fiorentina. They've got money. Guess where they got that money from? Well, maybe we played a part in that. And off he goes there, and he'll play at that level team for a while until he comes to the Premier League and costs us 40 million quid. We are not advantaged, right? Because everyone can see centre forwards, everyone can see who they are, everyone can know who those players are. So there's no bargains out there. West Ham bid 50 million for Darwin Nunes. Now, to me, Darwin Nunes is a really nice player. 50 mil, Tom? 50 mil? It's a stretch, I'm, isn't not, it? I'm not sure. I'm not sure, yeah. mate, to be honest. And we're back doing the same things we used to do. So breathe, calm down, look at your squad. And there's a saying out there, right? I think we've had such a lumpy squad for so long that what's developed at Arsenal is a comfort zone. And those names give you comfort. Well, nothing grows in a comfort zone. Players don't develop unless you expose them and you find new leaders, you find new levels, and nothing grows in an environment that's comfortable. We have been comfortable and lumpy and overpaid for years, and this is well overdue. And by the way, I want a striker. You won't find me talking about Eddie as if he's the next second coming of Thierry Henry. He's not, right? And Lacazette, we know his physical abilities late in games can be questioned. We're not we're talking, we all know our stuff, right? We all watch the games. So we have a problem. We have a problem. But I prefer this problem than having a problem of a William problem. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. And that it's a, it's a, it's there's no good answer, right? I'd have, I would have loved Isaac at 40 mil. 
we'd all be sitting yeah. here having a drink in front of us right now. At 75 Five, mil, <laughs> come on, four goals, come on. We can't do this. We can't keep doing this. We have to relax and do this properly. For the sake of devil's advocate, KC, Arsenal have got an opportunity here to get Champions League football, arguably our best opportunity to get Champions League football since Unai Emery's first season uh, when he joined us. Teams like Man United, West Ham, Chelsea haven't strengthened either in the window. I look at the players that Spurs have brought in. I don't think that necessarily progresses their starting eleven that far. The Benton Kur and, and Kulisevsky, I mean, they're, they're okay players, but I don't think it's. No, I don't think that improves massively their first eleven by any means. I understand that you don't want to rush. I understand that you don't want to bring in a player that you've got then stuck with for the long term. And I think that, say, an Arta Cabral that, that Clive mentioned there wouldn't necessarily have been that type, especially considering we're losing Lacazette and Inketia in the summer and we've already lost a Bamiang. So we're likely going to need to bring in one or two, probably minimum of two strikers. Mm-hmm. But do you think that there is criticism that we need to target individuals, I'm not going to say specific individuals, I'll leave that down to you, but do you think there is criticism that needs to be targeted for not maybe capitalising on what this season is as an opportunity? Yeah, I think, look, when you look at where we are as a team and the position we're in, we're in a race for the top four now. That's that's where every Arsenal fan would have wanted come, come January to be in with a shout for the top four. And when you see players leaving and nobody come in, Clive, you're right. You, you know, you don't want to do anything stupid, but you still want to strengthen because there's been holes in our team before January. We've known where the holes are. So you just think to yourself, if we get a striker and if we get a central midfield player who doesn't do something stupid, getting sent off, and now Thomas Partey's got Jacaritis. He's getting sent off stupidly. You know, it's it, it's crazy. You, Arthur would have been a really good signing. But the issue sometimes is this. The clubs who you're dealing with turn around and say to you, well, if you want him, we're not going to let him go until we shift, we get somebody in. And you've only got four weeks. That's that's the problem. It's very, very difficult month to do business in, Tom. And one thing I've realised, this Arsenal manager and recruitment team they know where we are they know teams will put a heavy premium on it and correctly so for 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 them they're not going to play ball like that because that's how we've been caught out in the past so i'm 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 fine with them turning around and saying we've got a valuation of the player or we like that player this is what we'll offer and if the club don't take it Fair enough. I'm fine with that. Yeah, again, it, it's, it brings it back round to that conversation that we we're having about not overpaying and not getting stuck with an investment that you've you've overspent and we've done that far too much. And look, we all sat here after the summer uh, on our own channels and own platforms and, and praised the, the work that was done, the, the way in which we looked like we were shifting the way in which we recruited players with the players that we brought in in the summer. Um, what I find, Andrew, though, tricky is that is where kind of the the line is between saying we can't get certain players in this window and as Casey pointed out like not not spending 75 million pounds on Alexander Isaac is not necessarily an embarrassment it's not a, a thing I can heavily go in at the club and say that's ridiculous how can you not do that because it doesn't make sense to overpay by nearly double the player's market value but 
again, it comes back around to this point that there were players that did move this window that could have improved us and we've not done that. And then you have to think, is that Edu's fault or has, has the hierarchy, because we heard from the Athletic that supposedly that the hierarchy wasn't 100% sure on the Artemelo agreement that Edu had found with, with Juventus. Where does it, for you, where do you start to point those fingers? I, I don't know, because we don't have all the information. The thing I would say is that it, it doesn't have to be a binary thing, this idea that just because you don't want to mm. do anything stupid means you can't do anything at all. Um, from what I understand and from everything we've read, they have been trying. They've been looking for players. I, I'm very curious, you know, what Mikel Arteta's reaction to this is, because without being completely explicit, he was very clear that he was looking for something in the transfer market this window. He talked about maximizing every window we have to improve the squad. So it's hard to know why exactly deals weren't done. Um, was it financial? Was it simply a case that the players we wanted weren't available? The Arthur Mello deal. I think they're absolutely right to turn down an 18-month loan deal for a guy like that. Like six months on loan? Absolutely. No problem. Bring him in. He'll play a bit. He'll give you some depth, give you some experience. But not next year when you've got a guy there for 12 months who's basically a dead man walking and nobody really cares what happens to him at the end of those 12 months. So the, the missing piece here is, is, you know, why certain deals didn't happen or why maybe they weren't willing to compromise on a, a loan deal or a short-term deal for, for a guy between now and the end of the season. There's a lot of missing pieces. I mean, my sense is that... <sighs> The manager definitely wanted something, whether it was, you know, he agreed in the end, well, look, we can't get what we want, let's not do it, or whether he's upset that something wasn't delivered to him, you know, I don't think we'll know. Um, and that is kind of the elephant in the room with, with this situation where uh, we just don't know. Hopefully the relationships are good and hopefully it's a, it's a case of common sense being applied to what we did this month rather than inability or incompetence or, or anything like that because as you said there was good business done last summer and I think maybe as well there might have been a financial element to this too because we did spend 150 160 million on top of 50 million plus 30 million you know in the in the summer window before so it was like 250 million in a year that Arsenal have spent on players basically um, and they've clearly done some business to try and ease the burden on the wage bill so maybe part of this was simply financial that the money wasn't there in this month to do what we felt we needed to do so there's a lot of missing pieces i mean we can only as fans we can only react and say well we didn't do this we didn't do that it's a shame it's frustrating but um the why the specifics of it maybe it'll all come out in the wash Clive, let's focus on what we did do, because um, despite us uh, talking about all the things that we didn't do, we did actually do a few things. Uh, you, you mentioned Aubameyang's exit, um, but we got rid of the likes of Callum Chambers, which in Matt Ryan-esque fashion popped out of absolutely nowhere to everyone's surprise. Yeah. Pablo Marie went on loan. Ainsley Maitland-Niles went on loan probably far too earlier than that he should have done uh, when considering we didn't bring anyone in to, to kind of support the midfield. Do you think that, I mean, you would consider you combine this window with the overhaul of what we had in the in the January last year and we got players out in the summer as well. Do you think, Clive, this is leading towards the summer of 2022 being 
something very, very different to maybe what we've seen before and a huge overhaul that we've not yet experienced in regardings to incomings? Yeah, I think there'll be more exits. We all know the contract situation. There's a couple of players there that, like Cedric, for example, could easily move on. Um, there's more work to do. We know Eddie and, and Lacazette are going. Leno's going to go. We seem to have that bit covered. Um, Carl Hine will probably come back from Reading and Arthur will go out probably on loan. So we've got three goalkeepers there. Okay. If we're in Europe, the squad looks different. We need to have those extra, extra 15 European games. We need to have players that can do that. So we, potentially there could be more things happening, right? So, and you can't do it all in one window. We signed six in the summer. A couple of strikers hung around because it was nice and comfortable. We didn't get Tammy to make it seven. And that could have happened. And then we'll be thinking slightly differently, right? So, again, a problem with the fact that we we apply simple wages, right? Because of that, we can barely give people away, right? So that's the problem. No one's going to give these guys the contracts we give them. So we need to fiscally change our identity, right? Completely change our identity. And so... I'm I'm okay with what we're doing. Trust me, I, I'm like everybody else. I want I want a new shiny toy, right? But also, let's just let's not pretend when we buy new shiny toys we're happy either, because when we bought Ben White, everyone said, "Well, why are we buying Ben White for? We got Saliba. Why? Are we? No one's even seen Saliba play, right? I don't know if you've watched. I've watched him play a lot, mm. and he's a good player. But you know, he was a good player two years ago. Not this good. He's been out alone. His value's been protected. If we sell him now, we're going to get paid. If he comes back in, he's ready to play. Right, so, so when we do spend money, let's not pretend we're happy. Let's not pretend we didn't force Aaron Ramsdale to turn off his Instagram comments. <laughs> right, so, yeah. and so in the end, we we need to breathe. But I keep saying it. I, I want what everyone else wants. I, I no, I tell you what, I always wanted is I wanted this rebuild. I mm. wanted this. I did not think a lot of some of these players. I felt the motivations were wrong. Okay, we've spoken before. You know my yeah. thoughts on this. Yeah. And Andrew definitely knows my thoughts on this. Right? <laughs> and so like, um, I wanted a lot of these players gone. And there are moments in a game where you can see the technical difference of these players. Do you remember that game recently when... No, I spent many times arguing with Elliot about Bellerin's ability. And I know people love him or the rest of it. But I thought, you know what? Don't argue with him. Just let it go because we all love our own players and, and everyone's entitled to a football process, right? But there was a an, there was an excerpt in the game when Nuno had the ball at left back. He quiffed it behind him and switched it across our back four on his wrong foot. He went out to Tommy Asu, who couldn't see an exit pass down the right. He quiffed it back and switched it back across on his left foot and off he went down the left-hand side. Let me tell you, Kalashnik and Bellerin are not able to do that. So if you're sitting there worrying about certain things, remember where we were, remember where we're going, right? So when it comes down to it, footballers, good ones, allow you to do more things on the football pitch, allow you to defend from the halfway line, goalkeeper that can sweep and claim the ball, people that can pass the ball like Ben White properly off both feet. This is what we need to see more of. And when we have a squad with the qualities that we need, then we'll be fine. Now, we haven't got the depth of quality at the moment, but we have quality. I read somewhere today, I think we don't play, I think between now and April the 1st, we might play four or five games. Mm. So we've got, you know, this is not the world's not going to end, right? Mm. We can keep these players fit. We need a little bit of luck, of course, mm -hmm. right? But I want a little bit of perspective and I want to get to a point where we have centre midfielders that when they're caught in wide spaces, we don't all jump behind the settee because they can't move their feet. 
right? Do you see what I mean? And we get sending off. We have to change this. And, that, and we need to create room to do this. This is a plan. This is a process. I'm sick of seeing these idiots walking around. And we're trying to make them good in our minds. I've done it. I've done it myself. He's okay at this. He's okay at that. But deep down, he's not good enough. Right? So let's be honest, he's not good enough. You know, I watched Kalashnik once in a home game. And I think against Burnley, I looked down from the West End and he's putting cross after cross after cross. I'm thinking, what a player he is. When he's against a good side, he's in his own box. It's a nightmare, right? So, and he's a wing back. We played him left back. Cedric's a wing back. We play him right back. These are the things we'd get better at, you know? And um, and so I'm here for that. I'm here for the journey, guys. But let's not pretend when we spend, we're happy. When we don't spend, we're not happy either. And that's where I feel, that's where I am at the moment. Yeah, no, fair. Good points well made. And I mean, one of those exits, Casey, was, was Aubameyang. Um but the, the part I want to talk about is about Arteta and the club moving on, not just big wages, which has got us down. I think I think in Emery's first season, when you compare the wage bill to where it is now, I think we've almost halved it. That's the level of wages that we've got off of, of that bill now, which is, is, is mad, but also a positive movement. But the players we've moved on have been players that have had issues culturally um, as you're, have affected the culture of the club. I mean, Aubameyang, we don't know the specifics and there's no point trying to guess what happened, but we were told disciplinary breaches. Um, we've had issues with players like Matteo Genduzzi. We've had issues in training with, with Ozil, supposedly, but there was mm -hmm. obviously a lot more to that story than, than we know about as well. Um, but we look to be trying to rebuild with players that really are together and that are backing this coach. And I mean, one thing you don't really hear is is anyone coming out and saying anything bad about the head coach, even after what they've gone. I mean, I'm interested to see what happens with Aubameyang, to be honest, and what he says. But it's not something that you tend to hear. So do you think that this rebuild is not only to do with obviously the restructure of the wages and ensuring that we get quality in, but that also maybe it links into some of the reasons why we didn't sign anyone is because they just didn't, they weren't 100% sure the players they could get in would fit that culture that they're trying to build at the club. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair assumption. If if you're if you're Arsenal right now, you you have to be very careful who you go for, because the wrong signing could disrupt everything. Yeah. So Arsenal have a. I know there's there's many people out there who have said we could have gone for this one, we could have gone for that one, but if the the manager and the recruitment team do not fancy that player to come into this dressing room and make a difference, then do not sign him. That is so important for this current team. And one thing I will say about the uh, Aubameyang situation, Tom, is I think it's a bit different when you look at him. He was captain of Arsenal Football Club. Mm -hmm. There shouldn't be any breaches, disciplinary breaches. There shouldn't be any. But there were with him, and obviously, it was the the, the bale of, of straw that broke the camel's back, and the manager put put it on him and told him, "Listen, I'm not going to stand for it." And rightly so. When you're captain of this great football team, you're the one who's supposed to be leading by example. And there's a lot of youngsters there who need leading. Look at our experienced players. We've got Aubameyang who doesn't turn up for 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 matches and is is breaching. 
We've got Granite Xhaka getting sent off so many times. And now Thomas Partey's got Xhaka right. He's getting sent off. These are our experienced guys. I'm nicking that term, by the way. That's that's all mine now. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's there for you to do. So, you know, we we really need the experienced players to stand up now. If, if Xhaka starts getting sent off again, then I, I think we all maybe agree that his time might be up come the end of the season. Because we do need better players in, in certain positions, Tom. But Mikel Arteta is recruiting hungry players. That's the number one, Tom. Forget the name on the back. That's why he can go out there in the summer, make all them sign-ins. There was uproar in, in, in some of the Arsenal sphere. Uproar. Who's this? You shouldn't be doing this. And next minute, the team started clicking together. And we saw a difference. There was an identity to them. They connected with the fans. And then all of a sudden, you see the... The atmosphere at the Emirates, absolutely brilliant. I think that I think the fans have been superb in responding to the team. But in the recruitment phase now, Tom, it's vital that you get the players who are hungry, because you've got young players who want to do it. Going and getting older players who are just happy to pick up a check is not going to work. You need real hungry players. This is the crux, though, Andrew, as well, because then we've got an imbalance, arguably. And you look at, say, Liverpool, who won the title. Experienced players, Henderson, Milner, absolutely pivotal to that side. But Casey raises a fantastic point that we've got a lot of... Well, the reason why we are where we are this season is because it's our young players that have driven us forwards, the hungry players that have pushed us to where our ambitions are. But with Aubameyang gone and Marie gone, Kalasnach gone, no matter what you might say about them as players or behind the scenes... That experience is gone. And Aubameyang leaving on deadline day lowered the average age even more. Is that a concern for you in these final 17 games that we, in, in maybe these like, crucial and crux moments, we won't have those figureheads uh, in the team, if they ever existed in the first place anyway, to be fair? Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I prefer to focus on the, the, the talent and the quality of the players rather than how long they've been doing it, you know? We do have some experienced players. There's some guys in that dressing room, you know, Partey, Xhaka, whatever you think of him, you know, been around the block a few times, Bernd Leno, hugely experienced international. Um, you know, I like the idea that when you make space for these young guys, it's not necessarily experience that you want, but leadership. Um, I think there is something to be said for when you get to the business end of the season, having been there and done that, it's probably beneficial to an extent. But also if you're a young team that's flying and you're full of confidence and you're you're chugging along and you're winning games and you're scoring goals, maybe you don't necessarily need that. Maybe the lack of fear might be a good thing. And really we're looking at an Arsenal team now that is very much transitioning to something much younger than I thought we were going to be. When you look at what's um, you know what's happening up front with Saka, Smith Rowe, Martinelli, all twenty years of age, Odegaard is still only twenty two. Whatever striker we get in when Lacazette and Eddie go, or strikers we get in, I imagine that you know we're going to look in that age bracket more or less, maybe a little bit older, but we're not going to bring in a thirty year old striker because mm. there's just no way. So again, you're looking at, at, at transitioning. Same with central midfield. When we bring in a central midfield player, it is going to be a young player. And across the board, you're looking at you know, a team from Ramsdale, the back four, midfield with a, a little bit of experience. 
you know, the age profile is going to change. Um, and it really is more about the talent and the quality of the players than their age for me. Um, if you can bring in a guy who's 28, 29, and he's, you know, I think James Milner is a great example of that. There's a guy who has been around the block about 500 times at this point, but, <laughs> you know, hasn't lost his motivation for the game. He really, you can see it in the way that he plays and and that kind of an example. Um, but maybe those guys are are hard to find. Um, but I don't really, I don't worry so much about the experience. I think our season really rests on what we can wring out of, of the young guys and how much they can give us. Um, Smith Rowe, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, there's an attacking quartet that's actually really tasty. And if you think about how that might come together in certain games or, or start together. And if it, it clicks, I mean, we won't be thinking too much about what we didn't do in the transfer market. If those guys are banging in goals and creating goals and scoring for each other, and you're looking all of a sudden you're going, well, this is the future. This is great. You know? So it really is now about what Mikel Arteta can get out of them and, and how consistently he can get performances out of them in these 17 games. Um, you know, the, the experience, we have what we have right now. Uh, and I think it, it can be valuable. It will be valuable, but, but it rests quite a lot on their shoulders. And do they feel the pressure? Are they going to feel the pressure? Will they feel the burden? Maybe not if they're only playing a game a week, more or less. I know there's going to be a bit of a, a, a hectic period when some of those uh, postponed games are rescheduled, but really, you know, they should be capable of of doing plenty in these. So I'm I'm sort of excited about what we're going to do in the absence of a striker because as I was thinking about it yesterday, the only logical reason I could think of not bringing in a, a lone striker, somebody like that, was because they think, well, maybe those minutes can go to Martinelli up front. If you get Smith-Rowe back, you play him from the left-hand side, Odegaard, Saka on the right-hand side, Martinelli up top, I like the sound of that. Whether it'll work or not, I don't know, but it's the only reason I could think of why they didn't, knowing full well that they need something, why they didn't push the button on, you know, a temporary or a loan signing. Mm. I mean, when you say it on paper, Martinelli, Smith, Rowe, Odegaard, Saka, it's youthful, it's energetic, it's dynamic, it's mm. it's exciting. Um, and if it, if it does come down to the choice between Inketia or Martinelli, I, I think most people would, would choose... Uh, the the latter. I want to stick with this striker conversation just briefly though. Wayne, thank you so much for the nice uh, donation in the chat box. It says, bless up everyone. Andrew, I listen to Arsblog every Monday and Friday on my way to work. I 100% agree with Clive. I would have loved to see a signing come in. Not another stopgap like we've done for so many years. And we didn't, Clive. We didn't bring in a stopgap. And uh, as Andrew pointed out there, if the time comes that Lacazette gets an injury, because you know his fitness has, has been in question at times. To be fair, his injury record isn't that bad. It's like I can't remember a, a stretch where a Lacazette was out for a long period of time. You got you got to run about to get injured, don't you? <laughs> very true. <laughs> very, very true. Um do you agree? <laughs> do you agree with Andrew that uh, Martinelli is the obvious choice now? Because despite uh, I agree with Andrew there, but I do think that Arteta will defer as he has been doing from the bench to Enketia, and that's a little bit of a concern for me. Yeah, so Arteta really does like Eddie, right? So um, I was saying yesterday, I still haven't got that Everton header out of my brain yet, and and. Um, <laughs> 
And so, you know, he needs to, he needs to fix that for me before I, before I start loving him again. Um, so yeah, I don't think he's played many premiership minutes, hasn't got any goals. So yeah, we're trying to be, we're trying to be positive about the overall rebuild, but let's be honest, we're running a risk here. We're running a significant risk and, you know, I went to the Burnley game and they blocked out that central zone and we did not look like we had the energy and the ability, particularly late in the game, to change things, to take us over the line. We didn't have it. We missed that one chance. We all know the chance we missed. And and our hearts collectively broke, right? So um, so that could happen easily again in another game that we expect to win. And if Aubameyang's in the new camp, sticking on the back post, we're going to, you know, Tom, you'll be able to cut the shows, mate. Do you see what I mean? And, um, and there'll be interesting comments on those shows. Um, so, yeah, I think you know, as we were talking there, and I listened to Andrew and Kev talk, we didn't even mention our record signing, Nicola Pepe, right? So, um, and whatever we do, we need to invest in the people that we have. You know, Pepe's one, Nuno's another, that can play higher up on the left, add energy late in games. We're going to have to invest in the people that we have, make sure that when we have an injury, which we no doubt will have, let's make sure we play the right system for the players we have available. Let's not mess about trying to do it like we did in the Europa League semi-finals and try to shoehorn people into a system which don't suit them. Pick a system that works for them, maximise the resources that you have. Now, I'll be straight with you all this is something I think Arteta could improve on. You know, when he has his boys there, I think he's excellent. When he has major pillars out of his team, I feel as though some of the way he goes about that's, you know, making those replacements or saying to my, you know, saying to those players, I'm going to play you in this role. It may not suit you, but it suits how I want to play. Now, that's his prerogative. But I give Cedric as a great example. I think he's much better in the position half than our half. So play three centre-backs and make him a wing-back. Mm. Don't sit there and watch him running behind people in the corner of my TV screen trying to catch people up as a full-back, which he cannot do. But when he's in the last third, he can cross the ball and he can do something. So if he's at our football club and he's there playing and he is our second right-back, let's make sure we play a system that works for him. Nuno, for example. Let's not put them into areas where they can't succeed. And that's my one issue, because we are going to have this later in the season and how we manage the resources we have, how we invest in the resources we have, how we make them feel trusted so they run through brick walls for major. We're going to be talking about this real quick, mm. you know, real quick, soon as one of our major favourites goes down. And that these are the sort of things we're going to be discussing later in the season. Tom, can I, can I, Tom, can I just pick up can, on man. that? Because I think can, whenever there's an issue at right back, and as Clive would, and, and Andrew would have seen, they tend to put Ben White out there. Ben White goes to right back and Holding comes in centre half. So I'm not too I'm not too worried about the fullback because you don't change your system for one player, especially if he's a fullback or a wingback. That's what you don't do. My my real problem with Martinelli playing through the middle is because his effectiveness with his back to goal isn't the same as when he's running off the left. He is a winger by trade. Will he end up as a striker? Possibly he will. But I think he's a bit too young. People are talking about Nicola Pepe playing as a striker. He's, he's, at times he struggles playing wide, let alone in traffic as a number nine. That's why I, I truly believe he protects Martinelli by playing Eddie. 
Eddie can play there. He's not great. He's not world-class. He's, 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 he's leaving the football club. But he would rather play Eddie there than put Martinelli there to take all the hits, in my, in my opinion. Mm. I, I really believe Arteta is not going to subject Martinelli to playing with his back to goal. So the big guard goes could smash him from behind. Not good. I Not agree with you, us. Kev. I think that's what he will do. I think I think he will put Eddie there. Oh, if he has a choice between playing Martinelli or Eddie, I think he plays Eddie. My concern is is that Eddie isn't going to offer us what he wants from a striker uh, and what he wants. And what was frustrating to me, I think the other day when we brought Eddie on against Burnley, is that I think we all know that Eddie is best by the six-yard box when a ball's played to him and he can finish it. He can finish a shot. Like, I'm not going to criticise that part of his game. He's one. Of, you know, he's a very good finisher in those areas. But he was used by Arteta in kind of this wider role. And I think, Clive, I've spoken to you about, and you've spoken to me about kind of the role that he, he'd like him to be used in because I think he brought him on in that role against Everton as well mm-hmm. when he was kind of playing on that left-hand side and, and running and into Burnley. the box. And Burnley, yeah. And, and I just felt that, for me... I and maybe blame my short-sightedness, but I look at Eddie as Casey as someone that is is only very specialised as a finisher in the box, and I worry that we won't get enough from him as the option if it is him we defer to. Say if Lacazette's not available, possibly Tom. But what you got to remember is when you play a Burnley, Burnley were happy to just sit there in a low block and say, come on, Arsenal. Because they know we let you down the sides, and when you cross the ball, our two centre-halves just eat the ball. That's it. Mm. We made two breaks in that second half, one where Smith-Rowe got in behind Tarkovsky, and one uh, and, and set Lacazette up and we missed the post, and there's one where Eddie took Tarkovsky for a run down in that left-hand channel and, and got a cross in. But unless, you, and unless you're going to pull these people about, it's no point just putting Eddie up there because what's he going to do? You've got two six-foot-three centre-halves, crosses are coming in, and he's five-foot-seven. Mm. You know, at the moment, we're not good enough to play, do a Man City and play through these teams. We're just, we're just not that team at the moment. So it's a tough one. I don't want Martinelli with his back to play so they could, they could lump him. He he's, he's means too much for us on that left-hand side. We see what he does. And Saka, the same on the right. I might be proven wrong if Pepe goes in there, but I just think Pepe sometimes struggles on one-on-one outside, let alone be in the traffic of two centre-halves and a, and, and a midfielder. So. Yeah, Andrew, you've not had your say yet on the Pepe kind of idea and the theory of putting him there. I mean, for my money, I think he is one of the best finishers in the team. Like, you put Pepe in the box, you know, he's a good finisher. Um, and it's it's that traffic, as, as Kev mentioned, that's kind of stopping him on the right. And we play him so wide at times on the right, so far wide that he, he can beat a man. But we saw that very easily against Sunderland when he was humiliating that left back time after time. And he's beaten plenty of Premier League quality defenders as well. But if you put two men on him, it seems he really struggles in those scenarios. So do you think eliminating that barrier of needing to beat those wide men and put him in the box and, and get low crosses into him solves that issue? Or do you just not think there's enough to his game for him to occupy that number nine role if we need him to? Um, I find it very difficult to see Pepe there, to be honest. I agree with Kevin. I just I think there's something missing technically. Um 
you know, if you're worried about somebody holding the ball up, it bounces off him far too often. You know, when the ball comes out to him on the right-hand side, part of the reason why he he ends up with two men on him is because his second touch, he's trying to get the ball back. And by that stage, there's another defender over. You know, I mean, that's that's what happens. I mean, I agree with you about his finishing. He is he is a, uh, got a hell of a left foot. You put him in the right positions and he can put that ball top corner, bottom corner and everything else. But um, I just, you know, I think really he is a guy who needs to play in a counter-attacking team, a team that sits deep and then uses his pace and uses his ability to drive into the box. So I don't see him as a as a centre-forward option. I mean, if we get injuries or whatever, I mean, maybe you have to consider it. But I do think his presence in the squad now does allow us to, to think about how we use the players uh, that we have. And I, I know what Kev is saying about Martinelli. Like, I don't want to see him try and do an Olivier Giroud type thing where he's standing there waiting for the ball to come to feet and there's a central defender, um, you know, uh, who will absolutely stick a knee in his back and and leave him battered and bruised. But I do think there are other ways of playing the centre-forward role these days where perhaps his movement and his sharpness around the box could be really useful. And I think we've seen with Lacazette up front, part of the tactical plan is for Lacazette to drop deep and maybe bring one of those central defenders with him and leave some space in behind for for Martinelli to run into. Um, But that, I think, raises another discussion about how quickly we can move the ball and how quickly we get the ball vertically through midfield or to our wide man. As Kev said, that, that, that break from Smith Rowe, which set up the chance for Lacazette, that was just pure quick movement, tyranny over the top, Smith Rowe, burned the defender, couldn't stay with him, cross, should have been a goal, should have been 1-0 at least, uh, a 1-0 win for Arsenal and three points. So, you know, those are the things that we need to think about as well. But, you know, I, I can't see, I just can't see Lacazette playing 17 games, 90 minutes between now and May. Just don't see it. So we have to think about what else we've got. Eddie, in the last 10, 15 minutes, if you're bombarding the opposition defence, He's a guy who can get his head to something, even though he is only five foot seven. We've seen him score headers before. Um, but maybe there is, you know, room to think about how we can use somebody else up front. And if you're going to put minutes into a player in these 17 games, I'd rather it was a player who's going to be with us next season who will benefit from those minutes and not, with the greatest of respect to Eddie, somebody who's going to be going somewhere else. Why should we develop him or give him playing time? We're not going to get a fee for him. You know, it's not like we're we're putting him in the shop window. He's going to go on a free transfer. So let's use the player, I think, that, that will benefit most from those minutes and who may give us something that makes us a little less predictable up front. To finish off the show in the last 10 minutes, uh, I want to look positively, because, I mean, that's what we like to do, be more optimistic about things uh, and look ahead to the rest of the season with the final question to each of you guys. Um, Clive... I'm hoping it's going to be positive. Um, how do you see, <laughs> how do you see uh, the rest of kind of this season playing out in your mind now? And, and how much confidence have you got in us continuing on what we did in the first half of the season? Yes, without as many players as we had in the first half of the season. But, you know, we got that experience of the first half of the season. We've seen improvement and progression. The, the new signs we made in the summer are more settled now. Players have returned from the African Cup of Nations, have returned from suspension. Jacker and Partey are going to be back for the Wolves game. How confident are you going into this second half of the season? Well, I'm confident that, that was this sort of player debate we just had and how where they play 
and how they play is going to happen a lot, right? Because we're going to we're going to be challenging ourselves and picking teams in our mind and picking systems. It's not just about systems, it's the role you play and how you play. I think that's really, really key. It's not where you play, it's when you arrive and how you arrive into that box that really counts. It's going to be so interesting to see how he fixes the attacking situation. Um, so the month of January, where have I been, right? So the moment Saka swept that ball in against Man City, I'm telling you, man, I've never been as happy as that about a performance for half a decade. I'm telling you, I could not believe what I was watching. I'm thinking, this is it. We're about to go. We're about to go. Of course, we derail like we normally do, right? Um, we derailed within the same game. We end up snatching defeat from the jaws of victory, right? But I haven't forgotten how I felt at that moment. I haven't forgotten it, and no one should. And last time I looked, no other players that played on that day have left the football club, right? So now the, the month of January... I think we got squeezed dry, right? We played the two best teams in the league. We played we played them three times at a time when our squad was bereft. And uh, our Granite Shaka turned into Hong Kong Fui and got himself sent off. And and then and then basically Thomas Party did something quite similar. So our two experienced centre mids destabilised us. And what happened when we did that? We found somebody. We found somebody in Martin Odegaard that showed a level of leadership and football ability I did not know he had. I mean, I'm telling you, I watched him live, and he has been outstanding. Mm -hmm. That guy could easily be our captain. I would not hesitate for a second, right? So so we were squeezed dry, playing the, the two best teams three times in a month at a time when the squad was bereft for multiple reasons. Now that everyone's back, and they got their on base air out in Dubai, and they are doing their work, and they are unified. Now, we need a bit of a break. But I think we'll get some juice back in that orange, mate. We'll get some juice back. And then we can, we'll hopefully get back to the Man City game. We'll get back to those levels. And that's all we can do, right, is hope that's going to happen. What I, what I do know is, you know, for all the players that have gone that give us comfort, the one I sort of would have liked to have stayed was, was Ainsley, just because I like him, you know. But we have to be fair for his career that he needs to go and play. Mm -hmm. um, but I wish he was still here because he covers so many sins of our squad building over many years, right? So, mm. but all I can do is sit there like everybody else and say, yeah, Wolves away, tough game, tough game, good side. You know, let's see what happens. But we have our best players available at this moment in time. Let's see how long we can keep them available and go from there. Kevin, it's been an agonising nine days and we've got nine left. Um, I know. Until the next game, it's been It's probably, it's probably good for us to decompress. Well, yeah, I was going to ask you that that very question. Do you feel like, in a weird way, we've had a bit of a mid-season break? We've had exactly that. I mean, it's, it's not in a way. We've had exactly that. There is a mid-season break. We're away uh, in the Middle East, warm weather training camp. You know, the, the, we've removed some of the, the fringe players that probably, you know, weren't the happiest. They weren't getting minutes. So it's better they're elsewhere than being unhappy with the group of players and arguably affecting things that way, whether they indirectly or directly. Do you think that this is, and going into that Wolves game with players like Xhaka and Partey both returning from suspension, Tommy Asu, we hopefully, fingers crossed, mm -hmm. I heard whispers that maybe he's going to be out there soon um, and returning to full fitness. So hopefully he might be back That's as well. Good. And we would have that that team um, that we played. And as Clive mentioned, that team that played against Man City and had such a strong performance, especially in the first half, will be available to start that game against Wolves and going forwards. Does that give you the confidence that we can achieve what we need to this season? 
Yeah, it does. Uh, obviously, when you get past that first eleven, then you know you you kind of wince a little bit because then it 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 kind of dips. But uh, listen, I, I I truly believe we've if our central midfield can perform as well as they did against Man City, we'll be all right. I truly believe that because there was protection for the back four, and there was a a tenacity in that midfield. And they outplayed Man City, let's be honest, for long stretches of that game. Our problem was, in the key moments, we kind of lost. We got caught up in the euphoria of, we're beating Man City, we're at home. Next minute, Man City are very cute. You know, they go, one player goes down in the box and it's a penalty. He goes down easy, but he did get grabbed. So you go down, gets a penalty. And we lose our heads a little bit. Gabriel gets on. And we, we do okay, but... We just haven't been there before. All this young group hasn't been there. It's a learning. It's a really important learning. You know, we've, I've, I've heard people talk about, oh, Saka needs a rest. Well, he's had a rest. <laughs> Look, he's, he's having a rest right now. There's been no football. He's had no games. So I'm expecting a recharged Arsenal to, to fly in the second half of the season. I expect us to be better, Tom, to be honest with you, because a lot of those new signings are now... I know what the Premier League is. We've had a break. Let's go for the second half of the season. So I do expect us to be better. But I, I still agree with Clive and Andrew. It is a little bit of Russian roulette with injuries. Because mm. if we get a couple of injuries, we could be in the mire. Absolutely. Um, Andrew, lastly, confidence. Second half of the season. How optimistic are we? Uh I'm so fluctuating, you know, because <laughs> I have liked I've liked quite a bit of what we've done this season. The Man City game, I think, is a perfect microcosm of like, oh my God, this is great. And then it was like, oh my God, this is so arson. You know, we're we're not quite ready to shed our our old snaky skin yet and uh, you know, come out as a, a lovely new snake. But <laughs> I that was a weird metaphor. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I I think what we have ahead of us is pretty, I'm not saying it's easy, but it's uncomplicated. We have 17 Premier League games. We do not have any cup competitions. We don't have any distractions. We've had this break. We know what we've got to do. And I think it's basically trying to approach, it's an, it's an old cliche and maybe it's too early in the season to say, but it's like 17 cup finals in a way. Uh, we do have some margin for error, but that's the approach that we should take to these games. That intensity that we showed against Manchester City, the way that we played, the energy, uh, the drive with which we played the football that we wanted to play against the best team in England. If you can't take some encouragement from that, um, you know, what's going on? But it's about being able to replicate that. It's about being able to do that you know, 17 more times. Maybe we won't do it 17 more times, but maybe we only need to do it 12 or 14 more times to get the points that we need to get us where we want to go this season. Um, there are going to be some ups and downs. I, I worry, you know, because of the, the the missing piece, which I think is there at centre forward, I worry about that. But I hope that, you know, during this trip to Dubai, the rest, the recuperation with a small squad... There are benefits to that as well. There's nobody on the outside sulking. Everybody's going to be involved. Everybody knows that they've got a part to play. And it feels, 
you know, whatever else, whatever criticisms people have, it feels like this is a group that's pretty solid, pretty tight. Mm -hmm. They look like a, a group of guys that get on with each other. Uh, maybe we're projecting a little bit, but it doesn't seem like there's there's any real bad apples in that group. And I think they'll come back from this very clear and very focused about what it is that that they have to do as a as a collective, as individuals, their own parts to play and all that. So if we can get on top of it, if we can get off to a good start, if we can beat Wolves and then, you know, I think the next game is Brentford, is it? Um, you know, kick off again with a with a couple of wins, then, you know, there is enough talent. We are where we are with this group of players. You know, we are, we've got to where we've got to with this group of players, bar some early season goals from Aubameyang. So it's about getting the same again, maybe a little bit extra. And if we can, then then fair play. Um, you know, I think we're still a little bit uh, a little bit hurt or frustrated by what didn't happen in the transfer window, but there's not much we can do about that now and just hope that these guys can really pull it together and, and, and produce what we know they're capable of producing. It's just really doing it on a consistent basis now. Listeners, viewers, I, I don't know about you, but I feel a whole lot better than I did uh, 55 minutes ago uh, about Arsenal. So uh, I'd like to take a second to thank you uh, to, to Andrew, Kevin and Clive. Uh, Clive, I've not, I know you've got a shoot off, mate. So tell people where they can find you and I'll let you go. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I, 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 do, I do a bit of podcasting on the Arsenal Vision. And um, yeah, I do, do a bit with Andrew sometimes. I'm not done a bit with Kev for a bit. Sophie's scared of me, Kev, to tell her, don't be afraid. No, don't be afraid, yeah. <laughs> don't we be afraid. We'd love to have you back on. <laughs> I'm ready for her, tell her. Lovely, <laughs> so, lovely, um, lovely. You're so, the yeah. one that's afraid, Clive, come on. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for inviting us on, Tom. Seriously. No problem at all. My absolute pleasure. Uh, Kevin, always an absolute pleasure to see and speak with you, mate. Tell people where they can find you and what's going to be going on in the Highbury spot, of course. Yeah, I, I at number one, Kevin Campbell, or at the Highbury Squad most evenings. You check, check us out at eight o'clock tonight. So it'll be a good one. Check us out. Lovely stuff. Not with Clive, though, because he's you know, running scared at this point. As we, as we come to I, I only come on after a win. <laughs> <laughs> what, this, this transfer window wasn't a win? Oh, or, right. I don't know what are you talking about? Uh, and finally, Andrew, thank you so much as well, mate, for taking time uh, to come on the show. Always a pleasure to speak with you. Tell people where they can find you, of course. Uh, Arsblog. Just look up Arsblog. You'll find everything there. So uh, thanks for having us on, Tom. No problem at all. Uh, thank you so much, listeners, for tuning in. There's been over 3,000 of you that have watched this show, so thank you so much for joining us over the last hour. I really appreciate all the support and the support throughout the transfer window and every 8am show that we painfully did, only to see no <laughs> signings made. <laughs> Besides Austin Trusty, Trusty the process, of course. Thank you for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow morning at 8am as the show continues. Thank you for listening, and as always, up the Arsenal. <laughs>this podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.